Now, we're going to read, please, from Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And just before I start reading, let me take the opportunity to thank the assembly here at Midland Park and the overseers of the assembly specifically for giving me the opportunity to come and share in responsibility this weekend at the conference. It's been a blessing to my own soul to be here. And I'd thank Colin and John as well for the opportunity of serving together with them. It's a very comfortable thing to be like-minded and to be able to stand in a united way to present the truth of Scripture. And so I've enjoyed the weekend and I'm thankful for the privilege of being here. I'd also like to thank all of you young kids that have come up to the front to listen. It's been a long day for you and a long weekend and uh, you're likely a bit tired. I can promise you if you give me, and more importantly, if you give the Word of God your attention for the next 20 minutes or so, the meeting will be over. But I want you to really listen because what we're going to talk about for the next 20 minutes or so from this passage is incredibly important for you as an individual to understand. So we're going to read Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. John is writing and he says, And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now this passage of the Bible has a very particular personal appeal to me. It's a difficult passage. It's a very solemn passage, very serious. But this is the passage of Scripture that was being preached from the night that I first remember feeling the importance of being saved. I was eight years old. Now, I had been born into a family in Trinidad in the West Indies. I met some fellow Caribbean folks here today from Dominica, a little small island. Trinidad's a much better island, but no, it's not. It's a little bigger, but I don't know it's any better. But I was born in Trinidad, my parents were missionaries there, and so from I was just a little infant, before I could even understand anything, I was taken out to gospel meetings and tent meetings, and some of those tent series would last 10, 12, 15 weeks. So as a little boy growing up, I knew the gospel, maybe like some of you up at the front. I could quote Bible verses, especially if they were giving out candy or treats, and I knew that I needed to be saved, at least in some technical way, I sort of knew that was the right answer. But it's amazing to me that until I was eight years old, I never once remember seriously thinking that I need to be saved and being burdened and concerned about my sin and meeting God and the importance of having salvation. But that all changed one night in the summer of 1972. And to save you doing the math, I was born in 1964. That's why I was eight, in 1972. My family had gone back to Northern Ireland, where my parents were from. 
And we were sitting in a hot, unair-conditioned gospel hall in a little town called Ballyclare. There's a lady who just left who's from Ballyclare. And I was sitting in that meeting, and my father was preaching. And he read from this passage, and he began to preach. And he described what we have read, how that there is a day that's coming. And I want you to listen to this, because this is real. This is actually going to happen. There's a day that's going to come when a throne is going to be set up in space. And there's going to be a judge sitting on that throne. And there's going to be people called before that throne. And they're going to come up in front of that throne and they're going to face this judge. And they're going to be judged out of things that are written in a book. And people from that throne are going to be taken and cast away from God into a lake of fire forever. And I sat as a little boy that day, that night, eight years old in Ballyclare in Northern Ireland, and for the first time that I can remember in my life, the Spirit of God was dealing with my soul, and I realized I need to be saved. I didn't get saved at that time. My parents ended up going back to Trinidad in February of 1973, the next year when I was now nine. And my sister and I, we stayed in Toronto with my aunt and uncle, and we went to school there. So our lives changed a little bit, but my aunt and uncle, they were also Christians, and they took us out to gospel meetings. And in the fall of 1974, so quite a bit of time had passed, 72, 73 into 74, a little more than two years. I was 10 years old. And the assembly where my parents, where my aunt and uncle, sorry, went, Brackendale Gospel Hall was where that assembly met. That assembly had a special series of gospel meetings. There was a man called Mr. Malcolm Radcliffe and a man called Mr. Jack Noble. During that series of meetings, I began again to be concerned about being saved. I really don't remember being concerned during that intervening time. But during those meetings in October of 1974, 10 years old, I began to be concerned. And I remember one night, Mr. Jack Noble got up and he said, we'll read from Revelation chapter 20. And he read this same passage. And the same thought flooded back into my mind. Andrew, you don't want to be standing in front of that throne with all of your sins and no Savior to be cast into a lake of fire. I'm so thankful tonight I can tell you I was saved. On October the 15th, 1974. But the passage of Scripture that the Spirit of God used to stir me, to awaken me, to make me realize this wasn't just something for everybody else, this was for me, was this passage that we've read together. So I want you to think about it with me tonight. The setting that we have described to us, it's really going to happen. A huge throne set up, a great white throne. And I don't think I'm just using my imagination. This is the language of Scripture. It's a great throne. It's white. And there's one sitting on this throne. And that's the first thing I want you to think about. The sovereign on the throne. He is described here as one who's sitting on the throne. And there's something about his face that radiates power and authority and glory. To such a degree that what the Bible says, 
that the one sitting on the throne from his face, heaven and earth were trying to flee away. So there's something terrible. There's something almost terrifying about the face of this one that's sitting on the throne. You know who that one is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the same Jesus that we read about that called little children to him. The same one that we read about who when he was here on earth, he walked around doing good, showing compassion. You're very familiar with that, aren't you? Thank God so am I. The same Jesus that men took to a cross, who hung silently as men nailed him to a tree, and he hung there and died and suffered and gave himself as a suffering Savior on a cross, that same one. That's how he presents himself to you tonight. And that's who he is. He is the Savior. And lest I fail in presenting that truth, let me say it clearly now. This same one, the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves you immeasurably. You, as an individual. He doesn't just love all men. It's true that he does love all men. But he loves you. He knows you far better than I do. I don't know very many of you. He knows you better than your parents know you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. And in order that you could be saved and your sins could be forgiven, he's a Savior that went to a cross and gave himself to provide satisfaction to God on account of sin so that your sins could be forgiven and you could be given eternal life and never stand before that throne. That's the Savior that's presented in the gospel message. And that same Savior now that you're familiar with As one who suffered on a cross, he's now pleading with your soul, patiently. You know, I think of my own life before I was saved. I have no idea how many hundreds of times I heard the gospel. How many times I heard about this Savior. And into my mind there was poured the truth of how much he loved me. And how he had died so that I could be saved. And literally hundreds of times... I listened to that, and I got up, and I walked out, and basically by my actions, I said, no, I'm not interested. It's not for me. You know, it's an amazing testament testament to His grace that He continued to reach out, to pour His loving message of the gospel into my soul until eventually I received salvation. Can I tell you, that's what he's doing for you tonight. September 2018, whatever age you are, that's what he's doing tonight. He's pouring into your soul the truth that you are a sinner and you can't get before him as you are. But he has died to bring salvation for you so that you can accept him and have life. That's what he's doing. And we're used to hearing about him like that. But you know, this one that's sitting on the throne, by this point, for those people that are brought before that throne, there is no salvation. Oh, he's the same one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same one. But for those who refuse to accept him as Savior, there is a day of judgment, and that's what we're reading about.
So this one who is sitting on the throne now, he's sitting there as a judge. And the people that are called in front of that throne are now going to answer to him because they refused to accept him as Savior. So that's the sovereign that's on the throne. But I want you to think secondly with me about the subjects before the throne. Who are the people who are brought before this throne to be judged? Well, we read, they are the dead, those who do not possess eternal life. And we read that they are the dead, small and great. And they are brought to stand before the throne. Now, when I first heard those words that I remember them registering when I was eight and again when I was ten, this is what struck into my soul. Now, this may be a very simplistic little boy's understanding, but this is what struck me. The dead, small and great... I somehow had no problem understanding that the big, horrible criminals, that they would be brought to stand before the throne, that bad men would be brought to stand before the throne, that people who had never really faced justice on earth, that they would be brought to stand before the throne. But what struck me that night in the meeting in Ballyclare was this, the dead, small and great would stand before the throne. And for the first time in my life, there flashed this image, this this picture. It wasn't something mystical, it's what the text says. That I would be standing as a little boy, all alone, face to face with this throne, and this terrifying face of the one sitting on the throne. And my parents wouldn't be with me. And none of my friends would be with me. I want you to notice that it says they were judged every man, individually. They were judged every one according to their works. And I saw in my mind's eye this image of a throne. And the sovereign sitting on that throne. And a little lonely eight-year-old boy. All by myself. And I had never gotten saved. And I still had all my sins. And I'm looking up at the judge. I have nothing to say. I can tell you with absolute honesty from my soul, I hope I'm not looking into the face of anybody tonight. Not one of you, young or old, who will find themselves standing silently before this throne. All alone, no Savior, with all your sin, nothing to say. It is the absolute worst place a human being could find themselves, standing alone before a throne of judgment with no Savior. But that's who's there. And can I tell you as kindly as I can, if you go through your life and you do not accept Christ as Savior, you will be before this throne. No one's going to escape. No one's going to hide in the shadows. The God who made you and who knows you through and through and who longs to save you, if you reject him, you will be brought to stand all alone before this throne. 
But I want you to notice as well, not just the sovereign who's on the throne and the subjects that are brought before the throne, but we read about books being opened. It says the books were opened. Now, those books that John likely saw wouldn't be bound books like this, or they wouldn't be e-books like we have on our iPhones now. They would have been scrolls. So I want you to think about the scrolls that John saw that would have been opened at that throne. What are some of the books that are likely being referred to here? Well, first of all, I'd suggest to you it's the record of Scripture. The Word of God lives and abides forever. Those same Bible verses that I knew, those same Bible verses that you have learned, those same Bible verses, they'll be there at that throne to judge you. Those were the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he was here. He told people, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The Lord said, Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. Those Bible verses that tell you about your need, tell you about God's love, tell you about salvation, tell you about the offer of grace, those same Bible verses, they're going to be there at that throne. These Bible verses that we have just read about, that in the grace of God, He's warning you about what lies ahead, these verses will be at that throne. The record of Scripture will be there. But you know, there's another book that I believe will be there. It's a record of sin. It says that every man was judged according to his works. So there's actually a record, an individual record of sin that God has. It's a pretty terrifying thing. If I were to ask you to list all of the sins that you committed in the past week, just stop and think every sin that you've committed in the past week. What about the last month? What about the last year? What about the thoughts that you never actually did but the things that you thought? What about the very essence of our nature, not just what we do but what we are, sinners, the very way that we're born? And God has a record. And every man is going to be judged according to his works. And you're going to stand, if you don't get saved, you're going to stand before that throne. And God won't hold you accountable for Hitler's sins. He won't hold you accountable for the sins of the criminals you hear about in the news. He won't hold you accountable for the sins of the person two seats away from you. But if you reject Christ as Savior, God will hold you accountable for your sins. And you will stand all alone before that throne. And the record of your sins will be there. And it will be too late. You know, I'm so, so thankful that however heaven keeps records, whether electronically or with artificial intelligence or just the mind of God, which is infinite, however heaven keeps records, there is not a record in heaven that has my identifier on it and a list of all my sins. Oh, there used to be. But I'm so thankful there's another book 
that's described. Not only the record of Scripture and a record of sins, but there's a record of the second birth, a record of those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And there is no record in heaven that has Andrew Usher, maybe there's other Andrew Ushers, but me, however God identifies me, my DNA, however God identifies me as an individual soul before Him, and He knows me personally, There is no record in heaven that has my identifier and a list of sins. But there is a record in heaven. It's a record of those whose sins have been forgiven. A record of those who through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, have been given life. And in that Lamb's book of life, my name is there. For the people that are brought before this throne and the book is opened, there's a search through that book, not so much to see if their name's there, but to show that it isn't there. And I want to just close by talking about the sentence that comes from that throne. I can't think of more solemn words than the words of verse 15 at the end of this chapter. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. It's a very solemn, sobering responsibility to preach the gospel. I'd love to just stand here and tell you something that would make you feel good, except I have to tell you the truth. And the truth is that when you are presented with the message of the gospel and the reality of your sin and the holiness of God and the need to be saved, it is a message that gives you an offer of life. Thank God it is. That's why we call it the gospel or the Bible calls it the gospel. It is good news. But it is a message that must warn you that if you reject Not just the news, but you reject the Savior. You reject God's Son as your Savior. There's a day of reckoning. That's what we've read about. A day of judgment. The Spirit of God, as I've already said, He used this passage to rivet into my soul this awful burden I'd never want to be standing before that throne. And I'm so thankful that having awakened me by that truth, The Spirit of God worked on my soul to understand that is exactly why the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was there on the cross, so I would never have to be there at that throne. I will never stand to face the record of my sin, because in the language of the Bible, He bore my sins in His own body. On the tree, he suffered the just for the unjust in order that I might receive life. And I can stand here tonight while there's breath in your lungs and you're all here alive, awake, listening, paying attention. I would urge you tonight in Christ's name to deal with the issue of your sins. And the need for those sins to be forgiven. 
There is salvation available for you tonight. Come while the Lord Jesus longs to be your Savior and receive Him and never have to face Him as your judge. Let's pray.